We're going to start off today in, in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. How many of you know there, there are those in heaven that have gone before us that are cheering us on? The way I read this is they're, they're cheering us on. They're watching us in those moments that we're making those decisions. Do I do this or do I do that, Lord? Because I know if I do this, I'm going to stumble and fall. And they're, they're saying, no, no, they're encouraging you. They're there before you, kind of wanting to cheer you on. No, you can finish, and you can finish strong. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Why does he mention that? It's because there are things that we have in our lives that we've allowed to entangle us. And what do they do? It causes us to stumble it causes us to lack our faith. And to be honest with you, it causes us to hurt our relationship with him. It's added weight that we have on our walk with him. And he closes out and say, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Why is it important to run with perseverance? As we keep that steady race going. We stay that consistent race each and every day. God doesn't want us and our walk with him up and down. He wants that consistency and that perseverance. We're persevering through the struggles. We're persevering through the things of this world. Maybe we don't like what we're going through right now, but we hang on and we persevere through them. Run with perseverance, that race. I want to talk to you a little bit today about one of the characters in the Bible that I, I kind of like. He is Jacob. He is the he is the grandson of Abraham. He is the son of, of Isaac. But Jacob is a little bit different in his approach. And I want to talk to you a little bit about his life and what he did and what we see, the two aspects of his life. See, Jacob was a twin. His older brother Esau, we know that story about Esau and, and Jacob. And, but he's also, he, he, uh, Jacob was a, was a conniver, a cheat. He was a manipulator. How many of you ever dealt with that with people? That was what Isaac was. He did everything in his life to control the outcome. When he was born, the Bible tells us in, in Genesis 27, as his brother Esau was the firstborn, it said that Jacob reached up and grabbed hold of his heel to kind of pull him back in. He wanted that firstborn. He wanted to be the firstborn, and he kept trying to manipulate it. As years went on by, God continued to reach out to Jacob, and Jacob kept doing what he wanted to do. He kept trying to manipulate it. He, he manipulated his brother and tricked his brother in his birthright just for food. His, his brother came in hungry, said, I'll fix this, but I want your birthright. He tricked his father into giving him his inheritance. He was a deceiver. Not a, not a good dude that we would sit and talk about in, Jesus, in, in the Word, but how many of you know the Bible is full of individuals that start out that way? Why does that, did God put them in there? Because I believe this represents you and I and the things that we have gone through and the things we allow in our life, but then there's the other side of the story. When we flip the narrative and we allow God to have that control, so Jacob would end up in crisis after crisis. He manipulated, he manipulated when he wanted to get married. He wanted to marry the younger daughter. 
And, uh, and his father-in-law said, no, we, we met, you have to marry my other daughter. So he spent 14 years at hard work to earn the right to marry both the girls. Then spent another uh, 20 years in there working for his father-in-law to pay off his debts. All this because he tried to manipulate and create and it ended, it ended up going from crisis to crisis. And this is the repeat of his history throughout his life. There's one thing you can take from Jacob's life, and I want to concentrate on that. And my theme today is let God have control of your life. At this point, we never saw that in Jacob's life. And I think Christians have a hard time releasing into their lives into God's hands. We don't trust them for our future. How much do we put in time in praying for the jobs that we have or maybe the education that we want to go to? We decide what we want, and we leave God as a bystander. We, how many of you have spent time in prayer seeking God over own relationships you would go into? How many of you wished you would have now? <laughs> There, there are time and time again, we're giving control of our lives. We, have, we, 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 we take that back constantly. To me, as I was a kid, I remember my God would tell me it's about taking, keeping Jesus on the throne, and when I would take control of my situation, then I would put Tim on the throne and put Jesus off to the side. I mean, come on. How many of you have complete control and trust with Jesus and God in handling your money? I mean, that's the attitude of our heart when he tells us to give and it shall be given back to us, pressed down, run to get running over. It's an attitude of our heart. Do we really trust God to manage those aspects or do we feel like we have better control? And what we see here in Jacob is that Jacob wanted that control for himself. It's like, I really just don't trust you, God. I mean, I like, I like the warmth of the Christianity and and the fact that you've forgiven me and I can move on in my life. I think some of us have bought into the fire insurance more than we've actually bought into our salvation through Jesus. And that's not what Christ wants from us. He wants us in our lives to release everything we have, let go and let God. Listen to what Mother Teresa says here. You will never know God is all you need until he is all you have. And see, God, God doesn't want to leave us on the sidelines empty and barren. He wants us to be blessed in our lives and to, and to be prosperous in what we do. And I'm not talking just finances. I'm talking about how we walk out our life. That's how he's ordained it for us to, to, to walk through this life. And so I want to look at some things what, when we allow God to have control, what it regularly looks like. See, you get a new strength when you allow God to have control. Jacob's life was, was nothing but control for him. After, the, after he married and, and he had raised this, God had blessed him continuously with, with his capabilities and the, and, the, and the things that he was able to do for his father-in-law. And he left there, when it was time to leave, he left a very rich man. And he began a journey. But he was still fearful of Esau's wines because he cheated him and tricked him. There's always something in our past that's going to come back to us if we, if we don't rectify those situations. 
We think they're dead and buried and under the blood just because we're not dealing with them. But they're gonna come a point in time, and this was that point in time where, where Jacob had to deal with Esau. Look at what he says here in Genesis 32. It says that then Jacob, what he did is he, he, he realized that Esau was on the way. He was told that Esau was coming. Didn't know why Esau was coming, but he began to be fearful. So he split his camp up. He took one wife and, and split up all the children and, and, the, and the livestock and the workers they had. Took his other wife and did the same thing. Had them go in different directions. And this is at a point. It says this, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. But when the man saw that he would not win this match, he touched, touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out its socket. See, too many of us as Christians are constantly wrestling with God. We lose our strength because we're not doing what he's called us to do. We don't spend the time in prayer. The 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year was to kind of rebring our focus back to what's important in life. And there's only one thing that's important, that is Jesus. That is Jesus. Why is that important? Because everything else falls behind the Lord. When we focus in on him, everything else he will order in our steps. And we, but we try to be too self-reliant. Listen to what Christ says here. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's why he wants us to, to have that relationship where we can learn from him. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, rest is not an inactivity some of us say on the day of, you know, today's the Lord's day, so we go home and we just don't do anything. It's not about inactivity. It's about a condition of our soul. There's too many Christians that are still restless in their soul because they want that control. And they really have not stopped to make the Lord of their life. The second thing is that I think when we become a Christian, that's what we look at, is you get a new identity. How many of you have say amen to that? Look here and what, what he gets. Is it, now, I don't think it's like a new identity. I think this is what God intended us from the beginning if we would follow him, his footsteps. Listen to what he says here in Genesis. This is, this, this is the, the gentleman or the, what we think is Jesus or God or an angel of the Lord that wrestled with him. They continue on their dialogue. says, what is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name no long, is no longer Jacob. The man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Some, some say prevail. Some versions say prevail. Jacob's name means trickster. God changed him. When you come to Jesus, he changes our outlook. There has to be a change in our life when we come to know him as our Lord and Savior. If you're doing the same things now as you were when you came to Jesus so long ago or whenever you came, if you're doing that same life in the same way, you really have not had that encounter with God that he's asking you for. You maybe have had the warmth of the word of God that you, you want to feel guilty or that buy that fire insurance, but you have not had that life-changing touch that God has called upon us. Israel means, 
his new name, Prince with God. How many know that I'd rather be known as a prince with God than to be a trickster? Why did God see it important at that point? Is to let Jacob know it's time. He wrestled with him. He marked him on his hip so that as he walked out his life, he would constantly remember, I battled with God. And my, that was what my life was. How many of you have marks of your old life still on you as a reminder of where God brought you from to where you are today? Listen to what John says here. And this is probably one of my favorite portions of scripture. So he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cleophas, which means, and translated into Peter. Simon's name means listening to God. So Simon, at that point, was a bystander in his walk with God. He was a bystander off to the side because he's listening to God, but he's passive. He's not taking any type of work or he's not taking any type of, of action with his relationship. But Peter is different. He said, Peter is the rock. He goes on to tell him that upon this rock, we, hear, we know in stories that, that he'll build this church. And I, and I believe it was upon that relationship that he had that he was telling Peter that I'm going to use you. You thought you were a fisherman, but right now you're, you're going to be a pastor. You're going to be a disciple. You're going to be a leader among men to show them and point them the way. And I am that way, Peter. And we see what God did in Peter's life, his whole walk with, with, with Christ as the, the three years he was with, he was wishy-washy up until the point of, of, the, uh, of the crucifixion. He tells God, tell, Christ tells him he's gonna, he's gonna deny him three times. No, I won't, Lord. And he's arguing with God during that time. And yet what happens in, in the court there? He denies him three times. But after the resurrection, what do we see? See, the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon Peter, that rock. He's the first one that stood up and he began to proclaim who Jesus was and went through his death. He began to take that risk and stand on that foundation that he had with Christ and what Christ had taught him and learned from him, what he'd taken. And he became that new creature in Christ. And he did some incredible things to the point when he died, he refused to be hung on a cross the way Christ was. They hung him upside down because he refused to die like his Lord. See, God doesn't see you as you are, but what you can become. See, if you think that only what you are right now is what the circumstances that you're in, that's a lie from the devil. But God has a whole new story for you. You just have to step into that and proclaim that. The last thing is you get a new joy. Tells us in Genesis here, please tell me your name. Jacob said, why do you want to know my name? The man replied. And Jacob had this discourse with him. Listen to what, the, what God or, or Jesus or an angel of the Lord said. Then be blessed, Jacob, there. And what we see from that point on, God began to flip the circumstances. See, joy is not based on the circumstances you're walking in right now. Joy is, is, is not an external thing that brings us 
brings all this smiles on our face. That's happiness. Joy comes from deep in our soul. And the only way we find joy is by pushing through some of the stuff that we're going through and to get into his presence. That's what these 21 days of prayer and fasting have been like. It's been pushing through each and every day. It's been pushing through all the circumstances so we can touch the hem of God. That's where our joy comes from, through that, those moments in the soul. Happiness is based strictly off of circumstances. The new car, the new relationship, the new home. Be honest with you, sometimes it's fleeting. That car gets in a wreck. I remember working summers to raise money to buy my first brand new car. My dad tried to talk me out of it, and I was too stupid to listen. And I had it for 30 days. And I ran into the back of an old 1955 Chevy, and my Toyota just crumbled the front of the hood. And I thought, Lord, I have just messed this thing up. Why is because my happiness was based in that. My work was based in getting that new vehicle. We want to set something up eternally. That's why we, we get into the God's presence. We spend our time with him. Matthew says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The 21 days of prayer and fasting was to seek after God because we hungered and thirst after righteousness. See, if your walk with Jesus is based on coming to church one day a week and not having anything to do with him during the week, there's no hunger and thirst there. You're setting yourself up to fail. I'm not saying you have to live in the church. What I'm saying is you have to live in God's presence. We want to live in God's presence, and we do that in our homes. We do that each and every day in our walk with him. We just happen to spend the last 21 days of doing that here in the church. Give your life fully to God. And there's joy that comes out there that's unspeakable and full of glory that he's called us to do. So I think, think through this passage and through these words that I want to leave you with some words of encouragement that I see that we can take in our walk, and we leave here after, the, after we celebrate this day, we celebrate the, this time that we've come through, breakthrough. And that is brokenness precedes breakthrough. Understand, brokenness precedes breakthrough. We cannot be who God intends us to be and at the same time hold on to what we think we should be. Do you follow what I'm saying? I see myself this way. God sees myself this way. That's why I spent seven years in college trying to get a four-year degree because I saw myself this way, but yet God showed me this way. You hear me? How many of you have worked very hard for something and you're just sitting there and you feel like you're just kicking the back of your tire because you're not having any traction? It's because we're walking the way we want to and not the way that God has intended us to. Psalms 51 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. Nothing can ever happen until you give in. God does not expect perfection. Too many people thank God they have to clean up their act before they come to Christ. And that is a lie from the enemy. It's a lie of the world. God expects us to be humble, though. 
And that's the only way we can come into his presence. Because we walk in with pride, we're lo- we're lost the- we've lost the victory already. First Peter says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Brokenness precedes breakthrough. See, I, I think some of us in this room, I know some of us in this room, have been praying for breakthrough in certain areas of your life. And we keep going before the Lord. We keep knocking each and every day. But we're not seeing that. Are we going to God because we're just giving him a laundry list of the things we think we deserve? Or are we going before the God because we're wanting to touch the God, God's heart? Part of that humility is in touching God's heart, realizing we have that true relationship with him. Second, you must lose yourself to find yourself. Listen to what Mark says here. Calling the crowd to join the disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Can I have the worship team come on up? Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has not let me lead. He tells you the truth and he lays it out why he wants to lead you. We're not in the driver's seat. I think that's too many Christians, that is our battle that we battle with each and every day. It's not thy will be done, it's my will be done. And we've taken Christ off the throne, we placed ourselves on there, and we sit back and say, I want to do this, I want to accomplish that. This is one instead of going, God, what is your desire for me? Where do you want me to go? What relationship do you want me to be in? Where's my calling, Lord God? What do you want me to do? Because I know in the midst of that, there's victory. It's about losing yourself to find yourself. It says in Mark 35, that if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Don't allow what you think you want to get in the way of who God made you to be. And I think that there, that statement is one that too many people as believers wrestle with. Because I know, I know what I think I want to be, but what did God make you to be? So that's why I think too many Christians, they sit in church and they don't feel, they don't feel the presence of God. They don't feel like they're doing enough for the Lord and it's because they're living in thy will instead of thy will. And it's time to surrender that. Go all in for God. Don't just attend church, belong. This is not pastor's church here to do the work. Christ created it and said, we're to create disciples. And those disciples that go out in the world and touch this world. When was the last time you touched someone's life in the name of Jesus? When was the last time you just stopped and shared what God has done in your life with someone? We're too fearful that we're gonna, be, we're gonna make a fool of ourselves. We're too fearful what that person's gonna think. 
I was at Waffle House a couple weeks ago, and the server came up, and before we ate, I asked her, I said, is there something I can pray? We're getting ready to pray over our meals. Is there something I can pray with you on? She stopped. She said, you know what? No one has ever been in here that's asked me that question. How about just praying that God give me peace? We prayed over her. We talked with her. Didn't, didn't have the sinner's prayer with her. We planted that seed of love. Then I left her a really nice tip. Why? It's because God put me in that place at that moment that we could begin to, to touch someone's life. The third thing I want to leave you with today is when you find yourself on God's terms, you find fulfillment. You'll never know what your life could have become until you hand it over to the one who created it. Listen to what Romans says here. So here is what I want you to do. God helping you. Take everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. This is a prayer church for you this morning. And, a, and, a, and giving you some directions if you want more fulfillment out of your life. He goes on to say, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted in your culture that you fit into it without even thanking. Church, that should convict some of us because we're more concerned about what culture is going on around us than about what Jesus is doing in us. Because I'll tell you something, when, when Christ is in you, he will affect the culture around you. And when Christ is in you, people will take notice because they'll begin to, to see things and look at things differently and approach you differently. He goes on and says, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognized what he wants from you and quickly to respond or respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Church, that is my prayer over you today. And I think too many believers walk in with the culture and we walk in that immaturity of the things of this world instead of letting Jesus lead us and mature us that we can become the men and women of God that he's called us to be. So church, it's time that we let go and let God have control of that life. Jacob did. And we see he's one of the patriarchs in the word going forward. And how through his family, God began to affect the world. Through his family and through Jacob, we begin to see touches upon those around him. The story of Esau was that Esau met up with him, told him he knew what God was doing all along. They blessed each other. They loved on each other. So we waste too much time worrying about the things that never happen instead of chasing after God to see what he's going to lead us to next. Will you bow your heads with me?
Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Father, that we've been, you've come into our presence. And you've touched each and every one of us. Lord, I know that there are all believers in this room. There may be some that not yet. But Lord, you want, you called us to a deeper, deeper walk and relationship with you. Some of us don't have that trust that we let go and let you take control. But Father, today, we're gonna give that over to you and let you have that control in our life. If you're here this morning and maybe this resonated with you, maybe you can say, Pastor, my life is a lot like Jacob. I, I try to control every situation. I try to control every outcome so that I have control. But I think God has brought me here for a purpose today that, that I can begin to draw off of him and to begin to release release my life into his hands and trust him where he wants me to go with no one looking around and everyone's head bound. If that is where you're at today, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up so I can keep you in my prayers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I... You saw those hands go up, Lord God. You know the work that you're beginning to do in each one of our lives, Lord God. You've called us to a deeper walk with you. And so we release that today, Lord God. You saw those hands. If you're here this morning, I'm going to ask you just to stand up with me. If you're here this morning and you just want, you can go ahead and stand. If you're here this morning, just want you want someone to pray with you. Maybe you're not there at this point. Maybe you are, and you just you just want to to, to go into a different direction with the Lord. These altars are open. I'm going to be down here. If you want someone to pray with you, and Pastor will join us. But I want to leave you with something: is that. Letting go and letting God has been the greatest thing in my life. And I learned to do it at 18. There's times I've taken God off the throne and I regret it. But as I look back, the moments of peace and joy have come when I've placed them on that throne. So Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is tugging at our hearts today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that came into this house and began to soften up our hearts, soften up our minds. Lord, we thank you that we got to celebrate your resurrection today in remembrance of why we are here, Lord God. We thank you, Father God, for the healing that has taken place in some of the hearts and minds today. We thank you for the physical healing, Lord God, you've already touched people with. So, Lord, we give you our time. We give you our praise and the glory this morning. Continue to have your will and your way with us. And we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said.